Hey there, and welcome to Leading Change Conversations, the podcast where we tackle real-life challenges with leaders like you to make change a breeze. In this very special episode for the new year, we want to give you applicable strategies to help you reach your personal or professional transformation goals. And I'm sure that you have set yourself some goals on this 2nd of January if you listen to this episode when it's published. So tune in if you want to learn about how to use your nervous system to feel safe and to enable you to take the actions you want to take without fear. I am Ulrike Seminati. I am your host and I train, coach and inspire leaders and leadership teams to turn into successful change agents, to communicate with impact and to lead with authenticity. So now let me introduce you to our amazing guest, Sandy Kaufman. Sandy is a relationship coach who helps her clients to materialize positive change in their lives by improving their relationship with themselves and with others. She is certified in traumatic stress from the Trauma Research Foundation, the Bessel van der Kolk. And among many other qualifications, she also holds certifications in breathwork and as a mental coach from the IPC Academy and the Life Coach School. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks, Erike, for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. And just before we went into this conversation, I saw a nice quote on LinkedIn that says, if you're brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello. <laughs> That's actually, from a nervous system point of view, it's very important to be able to accept the endings, to accept the morning of ending something helps you to better start something new. And this has to do also with how you feel from the inside, not only on a mental level. When we listen to this now, potentially in January, our listeners might be there early in the year. And we always have these ideas what you want to change throughout the year. It can be on a professional level. It can also be on a personal level. In our relationships, for example, oftentimes it's about our health very much. Finally start working out, finally going to the gym, finally eating more healthily, for example, or whatever it is. And I'm sure that so many people realize that throughout their lives, they have done that year and year for year again and again. And they always gave up after a week, after a month, or they ever, never, ever actually started. Why is it so difficult to implement these behavioral changes in our lives? First of all, it's not always a question of willingness. So on the rational level, everybody has New Year's resolution and they say, oh, I want to do that. It often has to do with the state of your physiology, of your nervous system. If in your nervous system you have a state of feeling blocked, of having the dorsal vagal activated, for example, it can show yourself you have really difficulty to start something, to put yourself in action. And this has a lot to do on how was change in your past, how you have experienced change in your past. And if you want to implement the change you want for your life, the first question to ask yourself is, okay, what is happening inside my physiology? How do I feel when I Think about change. How do I feel on the inside? Do I feel totally blocked? Do I feel like nervous or do I want to escape because it's really too hard? 
That's interesting that is related to our physical state because we often think that it's only related to our mental state, how we think about ourselves. And like you said, it's based on the experiences from the past, but it's very interesting to see that it's not just in our mind, but it's really in our nervous system, which obviously is connected with our brain and all of that. And that there's maybe something more physical that we can do about that so that we can reach our goals than only giving us the arguments why we have to reach that goal. Because we all know that just knowing why we don't do things. I mean, if not, everybody on this planet would be slim and healthy and sporty and, and all of that. And we are not, obviously. <laughs> so something is in there. And you just mentioned it. There are three different states we can be in. Can you explain them a little bit more? Yes, of course. So first of all, a sign that maybe your nervous system is coming on your way from a change point of view. You can notice every time you feel you are overreacting to a situation. So for example, you think about change and you feel a lot of emotion about that. Or maybe you have afterwards difficulty to sleep just by thinking about, about the change. Or you have the feeling of, okay, I want to change, but I don't even feel in the inside what change I want. It's difficult to feel myself. These are signs that your nervous system is taking over your mind. So the nervous system has basically three states uh, of insecurity. So the first one is when you feel grounded, when you feel insecurity. You know that change will have some stressful situation, but you feel able to confront them and go over them with your skills. The second state is a state of unsafety. So in that state, you have the sympathicus nervous system that is activated. What does it mean? From the inside, you start to see the environment or the unknown has a difficult situation. You are not trusting what is happening. So basically, if I uh, correlate this to change, you will feel unsafe toward change because you will feel, okay, it might be a difficult things happening and I will not be able to, to, to secure myself in that situation. In that state, you are physiologically less able to connect to others and less able to connect to your own resources. You are in the state of fight or flight. So either you say, okay, I don't even try. I flee from there. The mountain is too big. I give up. Or you are doing the change, but with a lot of fighting energy. I have to do it. I have to fight against, to change the situation, or I have a lot of fear and anxiety, but I have still to do it. So it's like either an inner battle or outside battle towards change. And the first state is when you have a vagal dorsal uh, activation from the parasympathicus. It's where you feel, okay, I will die through this change. I will die. It's better not to do anything. I'm procrastinating. So maybe on the rational point of view, you want to do it, but you feel blocked 
or you feel you have no energy for that. And when you are on that state, on that level of activation, your rational mind is switched off. At that time, your physiology, your autonomous nervous system is taking over. And that's why change are difficult. That's very interesting because we often think it's all in our head and we just have to think positively and think differently. And then we, we realize, huh, it's easy to say, but I, I just can't think positively. Or I have one positive thought. I force myself to have one or two or ten. doesn't matter. But the whole amount of negative feelings and thoughts is taking over. Like you say, I think our, our human body is still very much programmed and done made for like it was 10,000, even 40,000 years ago. Like you say, we have that feeling that we will die. So obviously our rational mind will not tell us that I will die if I do that change next year, if I change, for example, my job next year. But your whole body probably re like, reacts exactly like that. And this is why there's full panic mode, like you say, fight or flight. And the, the few I know about this topic is when you're in fight or flight mode, All the blood also goes into your hands and arms because it's about running away. And there's yes. not much left in your brain. And that means you can't think properly anymore. You take very odd decisions. You cannot concentrate or focus. And you also lose, like you say, the connection with others. And this is all of a cascade, which makes you feel probably then even more insecure because things are really not working at all. And you have that feeling you're losing even more of the control of your life or of the situation. So... That sounds interesting. So it sounds like an escalation also of being yes. obviously in the first state, which we most of the times, I think, fortunately are. But as soon as we have something ahead of us where we think, oh God, I have to do that now. I really have to change that. Because behind that, there's something that I really want to reach. I want to become or next career step, for example, can be also such a goal. But in the middle between the next career step and now, whoa, 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 I have to do things. I have to expose myself to, into situations where I'm really, really afraid of. So, you know, obviously it's about looking into what are solutions about that. What, what can we do? Because when it's physical, there must be something physical that we can do, right? <laughs> yes. And first is to understand your logic. If your survival system, your nervous system, save this kind of re reaction or make you feel unsafe towards change, there is a logical reason. It means that somehow in your past experience, you experiment with your perception. So maybe as a child, it's a different perception as with an adult, that change was negative or that the unknown was very uncertain. So instead of judging yourself or telling yourself, but why I cannot go to the gym every week or I cannot talk to my boss for a salary increase. Understand what was your logic toward change. Ask yourself, okay, what does make me remember this kind of situation? It has always a root cause from your past. And in love is, is really a lot of subject towards it because it all comes to your attachment models, how you feel safe being loved, how, how you felt you will be loved from others. And this first is to understand your logic. And secondly, is to identify your triggers. 
some triggers are making a stronger effect on you and some others will make no effect. So every time you feel this agitation in the body, so you feel the fear, the anxiety, ask yourself, okay, what just happened? Did somebody tell me something? Did I think something? Did I see a look from somebody? Understand what triggers you. So you know a bit in advance that when this trigger will come, you can also think of solution ahead. And the third thing is to cool down through your body. Use your body to put yourself in a safe space. And at that point, when you are activated, the rational mind cannot help you. You cannot think and say, okay, you cool down, it will be okay. Your nervous system needs to feel safe. And the one way that is free, always accessible, is through your breath. Breathing exercise can really help you to cool down. So if I can give you two kind of breathing exercise. So if you are agitated and you think, okay, I don't know what, what I can do. I want to fight or flight. I, I am really activating. So, uh, so the alternate nostril breath is you inhale through one nostril. You block. And you exhale. And then if you are more on the block, I feel block. I don't know what to do. I, I have no energy. You have to use more mouth breathing, which activate yourself with give you more power, power. So a basic breathing that you can do is the O mouth breath which is like this, you breathe in and out through your mouth. So it looks something like this. And this, when you do that, you feel the energy coming from your belly, coming up, and it gives you a bit more energy to act or do something. Here, the advice I give, they are general. Not all the breathing are working for everybody. So here it's a bit of a trial and error to find what are your triggers, what are your resources on that. And you can also think of preventive resources, reactive resources, and resources when something stressful happens. How can you come back to the feel-safe state of your nervous system. And this is a very nice way to discover yourself because you are not coming in a fight against yourself, but you are more in, okay, if you react this way, you have a very good logic. I want to first understand your logic and I want to help you prove the logic. So we can go together towards change, step by step, little by little. And after you see that it's much more easy because you lose, the, let's say, the harder judgment that we have. We are our, ourselves. We are the worst on that usually. And this is a way to come back in peace together.
it's a way of accepting ourselves, actually. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's nice. Yeah, I've also heard once, and it's true, I've tried it out myself, that breathing is obviously one of these fantastic things because it's actually the only system in our body that works automatically and that at the same time we can steer it. Our digestive yes. system, we cannot steer it. Our heartbeat, we cannot directly influence it. Obviously, if we breathe differently, we influence it, but indirectly. The breath is the only thing that happens without us doing anything or without us steering it in a very conscious way. And that actually you can turn fear, fear of speaking publicly, for example, or being really afraid of you're behind that curtain and you have to go on stage. And, and that's where you totally freak out that by breathing deeper, a bit also like you explain the different ways of breathing and different techniques, that you can turn fear into excitement. Mm -hmm. Actually, yes. it does work. It's really interesting that suddenly you feel a joy coming up instead mm -hmm. of just a pure panic. Yes. And obviously, you're still, your heartbeat probably, if you measure it, is still very, very high. But, but you feel another, there's another emotion coming into play. And I think that's all the point about taking action and going for the change. Because if you have the, let's call it the wrong emotions that hold you back, such as fear, you will procrastinate. Whereas if you have the right emotions or those who empower you, you suddenly take that action. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea that it's happening on a, a very simple basis, like the, the breath, which is there, like you say, it's for, it's for free, it's always available, and it's easy to apply. So even if we're in a situation in the office, for example, where we're not alone, you could go to the washroom at least and do something. <laughs> Or before an important meeting, an important presentation that we have, when we really start feeling like, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. Difficult discussion, like you said before, negotiate your salary and you feel like, oh, I hate that kind of discussion. I can't do it. Yeah, And you, you tell that yourself for, the, for five weeks before you have that discussion. And you can, instead of telling you that, like you say, I like the three steps to, first of all, look at the root cause. You know, why do we have that problem? Is there something in your past why you can't, for example, negotiate for a higher salary? Is it about money? Is it about your self-value, for example, your self-worth? And then identifying what is triggering you. Like you say, maybe if the person is looking at you in a certain way, you immediately feel like devaluated and cannot even pronounce or will lower your salary expectations in such a precise situation. And instead of doing that, then really understand, okay, I can come in with a different way of being because I feel differently, because my body is in a different shape. I like that very much. I work a bit also with embodiment, like um, when it comes to communicating more impactfully, for example, helping people to change how they feel about themselves in a meeting by sitting more straight, you know, by bringing their shoulders back, by maybe smiling a little bit. All of these things trigger something in your body. And your emotions change. Your image of yourself changes when you change the posture of your body. And that's exactly what you do with this breathing technique. That's very, very interesting, I think, for change. What would you say? I, I use another typical, the typical New Year resolution. <laughs> I will start going for sport and work out, you know, <laughs> which seems like I think people don't have at least not any conscious fears about that most likely. But if they, if they still not go, because they, they won't, you know, I mean, they will go maybe one or tw once or twice, but then very often after two, three weeks, it falls flat. And, and in April, we think, oh God, I have not done it again. I wasn't, I wasn't doing my workout like I wanted it to do. 
what, what would be here an approach? Would you also use the breathing technique or how would you tackle that issue? Um, it's funny that you speak about that because in all my teenager time, I was considered like the worst sportive person. And by 18, I decided to try again. And I mean, by 30, I, I run like a mountain run, 31 kilometers. So, you know, I, I made quite a, a huge change in my sporting uh, life. And first was, if I follow the three steps, the first step was, okay, for me, sports were very difficult because of my past, because I was in my past facing a lot of situations where I was powerless. And somehow sport was power and I had to have to re-own my power and to, to try. So I do the least, least, let's say, triggers towards my power. So instead of thinking I have to go to the gym every two days and do two hours and do all that. I was thinking, okay, what is the first step I can do? So at the beginning for me, it was maybe doing 10 minutes, not too hard, and then to have a reward afterward. And it was very simple. 10 minutes, I was looking at a YouTube video from my, my room where I was living, no more. And I gave that to my body until my body felt safe in that situation. And even until my body wanted more because he was, he was feeling the result of the doing sport these 10 minutes. And then I try uh, something a bit more challenging. So for me it was to go to a sport session with others because I felt always like the worst, you know, in the gym class where you are the last chosen because nobody wants you in your team. It was me. So I first didn't go in team sports. I went to, to, to gym lessons where I could do the lesson. And here I didn't put myself any objective, just the intention of experimenting my feelings during the session. And I did repeat that until I felt safe in that step. And then where I felt the pleasure of being with others. And this, you can do it by adapting how you do the session. So you can take maybe the best clothes you like, buy yourself new sports clothes, or you plan something you really like after that. All are different resources that are different from everybody. So you want and you have the pleasure to do the session you are doing. And then do like this little by little until the pleasure and the motivation of sports, if we take this example, come from your body. But until that, it's like you want to help your body like every steps and like the little challenges. So the aim of your survival system is not to be stressed. This is not the aim. The aim is to, to 
to feel at ease towards stressful situations. So it's also a good thing to challenge him, but to challenge him in, let's say, a titrate way, so not too much. So you do one step after another. Often the New Year's resolution is you come from almost no sports to a lot of sports. And it's not realistic from a nervous system point of view. That's very similar to my own story in a certain way. Last year in January, I made this resolution. I really, really, really finally have to change. Yeah. And what you say, the process you went through is a bit similar to mine. And I think it's really important to understand. And what you said made me understand some of the reasons why in previous attempts it did not work. Because I have paid twice in my life for a full year of gym without going ever to it or once or twice. And that's it. <laughs> so it's really stupid. Yeah. But this time I decided to do it differently. And what I realized, the first stage was not conscious to me at all. The first stage, you know, why, why did I shy away from that? I realized also when you spoke that it was stressing me to go there. And I now realized that when I was young in my yeah, 20s or between 18 and 22, I was doing competitive modern dancing with a big group of, of other girls. But I never feel, felt like being the best one. You know, I'm pretty small. I was not as slim as I could have been being small at the same time. So I felt like insufficient in a way. And I think I reproduced in my mind the stress of working out in a group because I like the courses in the gym much more than just going onto the machine. So I like the courses. But I don't like the stress that I triggered in myself by, like you say, being in a competition, feeling like being observed or like you say, being the worst person maybe in the room who cannot manage it properly or something like that. And I realized that I unconsciously did that this time because for me, it was clear also from my own coaching experience that I need, like you say, to find pleasure in the session itself. And so I connected to, to this body-mind connection. I thought, let's go in there like a team, my body and my mind, and let's feel how we can positively influence each other. So it sounds maybe like a bit of an odd concept to some people out there, but that was my concept. And so I had these moments where I could feel that I can step beyond my limits because my mind is helping my body and my body is really happy about it. I could, could really feel it. And that is a pleasure that I take in, in each and every session now. That in turn made me understand, and like you said, by little steps, yeah, that it's really, really good for me and that I actually really love it. And it helped me to focus on myself and to forget about the whatever competition or fear thoughts that I had, because I was just not concentrating on that at all. I decided it's really, really for me. And I never really think of, are people looking at me? Yes or no? I don't care at all. And that was something I could not do with the years before when I tried in vain. I think these very simple exercises can really help us to take some decisions when we sit next time also in front of our computer and we have procrastinated on sending this crucial email already for two days or we still have not put this very important meeting into our agenda. I think these are the moments where we step back, like you say, And look what triggered us. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling the stress? Well, you know, where does it come from? What's, what's in the background? What's in my past that made me feel like this in this situation? 
And then you're doing the exercises, breathing exercises, and like this, start learning that you can actually manage change processes, personal change processes differently. Yeah, thank you, Sandy. It was a really, really interesting discussion and a, a bit of a special one, obviously, in this podcast series where usually we speak about organizational change. But I think change only can happen when we on our areas, in our levels, are able to do the change as well. And it's exactly the same when we have to follow a change that might be imposed on us by the organization where we feel really, really stressed and quite panicked and we are already in state three <laughs> and we are not at all in our state of security or safety anymore. How to get back? So using the three steps that you explained to us are really helpful, I think, in any of these situations. So I thank you very much for that, Sandy. Uh, thanks for the invitation, uh, Ulrike. I will, as a last word, say, yeah, we cannot avoid uh, change, but we can feel more and more serene towards change. Exactly. And that's really a good point, because often we feel like powerless or like victims of the change. And I think we have the choice to step out of that mode. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, of course, they can find me on my website, Sandy. Kaufman.ch, so with a Y and two N at the end of my family name, on social under Sandy Kaufman Love Coach. Yep. Okay. And I will put the links into the show notes as well. So I thank the audience for tuning into Leading Change Conversations today, and I hope you found our discussion inspiring and informative. I loved it very much, and I think it's a great start into the new year. So if you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And sign up for our newsletter to access our practical transformation roadmaps on a regular basis. And if you want to improve your skills on leading change or communicating more effectively, check out my courses for individuals on my website. There are a lot of short 90 minutes live online classes that are starting in February around, for example, overcoming procrastination, surmounting change resistance, communicating with impact or influencing through presence. So if that sounds interesting, I'm really looking forward to meeting you there in person. And last not least, if you want to become a guest, then just go on my website, leadingchangeconversations.com and pick a slot of your choice in my calendar to discuss options. And I am surely looking forward to meeting you soon. And until next time, keep leading, keep learning and making a difference. <laughs> <laughs>